Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. This is episode seven for March 30th, 2017. With me, as always, Chris Salamone from Four Eyes Furniture. What's up, everybody? And we want to give a big welcome back to Ben Ueda, who is with us this week. How you doing? Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be back. Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, you're going to have the most to talk about here. I see that in the background of your video, you got like three projects going on. You were out doing all kinds of stuff last week. So fill us in. So I was in New York last week and it was it was actually great hearing uh, uh, the fill in uh, for me. Really enjoyed that. <laughs> Um, yeah, Laura did really well. Yeah, it was a, it was a business trip. I had to speak at a, a digital marketing uh, convention, just sort of talking about influencer marketing and what works and what doesn't. So I shared a lot of our pet peeves with a, a room full of people from various brands and uh, agencies. Um, I also got to hang out with Jimmy DeResta, which was awesome. I got to see his New York shop uh, before he moves out. And nice. that was... Yeah, I saw that. That was pretty incredible because I'd seen so many of those videos. I've seen all the knives, but to actually play with his crazy Leatherman <laughs> slash yep. Bowie knife combos, hit some things with an axe, chat with him uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, also, yeah. just sort of uh, we recorded some stuff and just had a... I was about to say, y'all did a sort of interview, didn't you? I saw I saw like a clip of it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, we, we we chatted for a bit, and we're always like, oh, well, we're here. Let's make some content. And then as soon as I got back, uh, Izzy Swan was in town, so I got to hang out with him. He stopped by my place. So this was <laughs> – so, since I've seen you last, I've, like, hung out with, like, two of the, the YouTubers that yeah. probably have watched, you know, uh, probably, probably most of their videos uh, combined. If not all of them, yeah. Yes, yeah, so that was great. But in the meantime, uh, you know, as soon as I get back, and I don't know how it is for you guys, but if, if I'm sort of away from the shop for like four or five days, I get a little bit restless. And I also just get this sort of nagging sense that I haven't been producing. So yeah, uh, I got a whole bunch of stuff going on. Still finishing up the, the veneer bike rack, which is exciting. Uh, I'm working on some leather handbags kind of stuff, which is which is new. And let's see, what else do I have behind me? Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to uh, tell us that uh, you, Izzy, and Jimmy were going to start a new podcast. No, no, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, I, I think we'd be play some sort of redundant roles if that was the case, because I don't think <laughs> the three of us... All the experimenter. Yeah, we're not yeah. that organized either. Um, right. <laughs> so yeah, and then I also got some um, other leather working uh, stuff going on. But uh, yep, going to be... Going to be a busy week, trying to make up for it. I just published a video uh, about making sort of a planter out of slate tiles. I saw that. With, it was real clean. Yeah, it, it's one of those ones where I kind of don't even, when I'm coming up with the idea, I'm like, should I do this or not? Because it's there's not a lot of work to it. It's just cutting a piece of tile and then gluing crap together. Yeah. yeah. But like, if you look at any sort of stone planters from like crate and barrel or stuff like that, they're hundreds of dollars, especially even if they're just concrete, let alone stone. So the idea that you could take stone from Home Depot that costs like $2, I think it was two ninety nine a square foot, and then build a planter for about 20 bucks that's big and real rock is... Right. <laughs> that's pretty cool. And again, yeah. it, it makes me realize how versatile construction adhesive is. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No joke. Put crate and barrel out of business. Yeah. And what about you, Chris? <laughs> what are you up to? Um, I've been. Uh, so I started the record player that, or the. I'm sorry, the record player cabinet. I always say record player, like I'm gonna start getting right. into electronics <laughs> or something. So been talking about it forever. Started it finally last weekend. Actually dodged a few bullets with it. I don't know what was going on. I guess because this is one of the first pieces where the cabinet is actually not symmetrical. So you know. Everything else I've I've built before has either been a rectangle or a trapezoid, which is still symmetrical. This one's a parallelogram. It, they wouldn't have been too bad if I had got hit by the bullet. Basically, what would have happened was it would have ended up being a mirror of what I thought it was going to be if I if one of the things I had almost messed up on had come true. And then yeah. the other thing was um, when I was cutting grooves in the top and the bottom for the door to the sliding door to go into. I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing and I could have easily accidentally cut the groove in the back of the box instead of the front of the box. But I don't know, man, luck was just on my side and 
both of those things worked out. Then, so you guys know, I like to, uh, you know, the difference for me is inches and like what looks good and what doesn't. So right. I, I was trying to make this cabinet as small as I could. And so I looked up on Google, how big is a record album? And you know how in Google, like, it'll come up with some bold text that's, like, the first answer? Yeah. So it says 12 inches. So I'm like, oh, cool, 12 inches. Well, turns out that's what size the record is. Oh, and the no, act- not the, the box. Yeah, actual case. Yeah. The sleeve yeah. is an extra, like, three-eighths of an inch. So I was like, oh, man. Like, I really pushed this thing to the limit of how much space was in there. <laughs> so, I mean, I would have had a failsafe, but I put it in there and, you know, boxed everything up the way that it's going to end up. And there's just enough room for it to work. But it's like, phew, man three bullets dodged like three things that could have easily just gone wrong yeah. happened to now go it my looks way, like so. you meant for it to happen though like you just got the tightest tolerances in the world yeah. <laughs> i like to live on the edge people yeah yeah i ran into the same thing when i did the the shelf system for records with the turntable on top is uh-huh. that it kind of i was like oh wow because i was used to doing sort of bookshelves and i was sort of thinking it was that but when you do a shelf for records it it really can throw your sort of proportions off it's such a a tall spacing uh, in between yeah. shelves. Especially when Google's effing with you. Yeah. <laughs> giving you bad information. Yep. Um, and so then that's pretty much what I got going on. And then the other thing. What are you was, building it out of? Um, it's out of uh, walnut. So walnut yeah. plywood for the carcass with a face frame. Cool. Um, everything edged with hardwood. And then the base will be solid walnut. Um, and then the door, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do for the door. I kind of wanted to do, I think I was talking to you about it before, maybe off air, but um, back painted glass. I was thinking about doing that for the door, but I've been looking into it and it's really expensive. So I'm on the fence. I'm, I'll figure that part out towards Come the end. Come up with a DIY version, man. I'm telling you, and it's, it's you gotta could do be it. possible. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I actually was talking to the guy at the glass shop and he said, you know, I've gotten just like spray paint and spray painted the back of the glass. Uh-huh. I'm sure you could do it and it'll look fine as long as you do a good job. Probably won't be quite as durable, but I don't know. It just depends what the end result is with this piece. If, if I'm That's keeping it, say, then it's yeah. fine. If I'm, you know, if I'm selling it to somebody, then I'll splurge and get the, get something that's going to hold up better over time. I feel you. Um, the other thing I was going to bring up, maybe Maybe you guys can give me some advice on this one. So I don't know if you saw it, but last week I put out the the Lego bench video. I and did. I don't know why in my head I had like very high expectations for it, but it really has not done that well. Like, I guess, I don't know, maybe the people who watch my channel, they just really want to see woodworking. And then when I do something different, they're just kind of like, meh, skip. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it's about sort of... Uh, it's weird how you think of your audience and what their sort of expectations are. And yeah, it's also just, it might be something that's sort of an in-betweener. It's sort of a playful project, but it still has sort of your sort of aesthetic a little bit. Right. So it might be that it's like kind of playful, but not not all the way sort of, hey, here's just me sort of throwing something out there and doing an experiment. Um, the cool thing, <laughs> the thing I would say is, Try something again like that, but even take it farther, right? right? Because it's almost like when you split the difference or sort of do something that's like a little bit of a tweener, uh, those are the ones that, like, you don't want to be well-rounded. You should either <laughs> right. go yeah, yeah, more yeah. towards the sort of experimental, even at the the expense of it having been a little bit more silly in terms of an outcome, mm-hmm. or go, here's like really like fine piece of uh of woodworking that would be a great addition to your home but when you sort of go in between people are like well i really wouldn't want that necessarily and i don't really get the sort of thing right not that that's what was happening but that's how i think of it it's like especially for short form content like this people want to understand how this piece of content is fitting into their viewing habits in like Mm -hmm. minutes and when they're like spending the video doing that I, I, it's funny. I've been. Uh, I did recently found an old hard drive of mine, uh, so you'll see a lot of uh, hashtag TBT posts on Instagram. Um, <laughs> in it, I was sort of you know archiving stuff and looking at some of my older work, and I saw that that's what I did with like a lot within like the first thirty videos that I put out. Is that I sort of had a cool idea, but then I tried to rationalize it into something functional. Whereas like now, I think I would just do it more experimental or at first and then eventually when i figured out like a good way to incorporate it into a more useful piece of furniture then try to do the more functional thing yeah so uh yeah i guess that's that's the advice is don't be an in-betweener so when my son grows (laughs) up and if he wants to like you know start getting some girls or something i'll tell him get into like uh 
like I don't know rave music or something. <laughs> don't just be a t-shirt and jeans guy. Don't, yeah. don't so, wear uh, don't wear your Chuck Taylors with an Under Armour shirt. I guess is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you got to exactly. you got to go extreme. <laughs> if go you're extreme. gonna be weird, be real weird. <laughs> yeah, have a yeah. purpose. <laughs> so what do you got going on, Mike? Uh, like I told you guys last week, I said I was gonna be building a desk, but I ordered some legs off of a place called TableLegs.com. I'm sure y'all have heard of it before. But something I wasn't expecting was the fact that it's going to take a week or two for him to get here. So I got about halfway through the desk project and I got an email from Table Legs saying it was going to be about a week until they got here. So I needed to find something to fill in that void so I didn't have a week that I didn't put out a con- any content. And thankfully, it's been a good thing that I started sketching a lot lately because I've got a lot of a lot more designs just in the back of my head than I normally do. And I'm going to build just a really quick, really simple full-length mirror that's going to have a kind of interesting bottom stand portion to it. It'll just lean against the wall. It's not going to hang on the wall. And uh, yeah, it should be a pretty quick and simple project, but I think it'll come out really, really cool. At the end of it, you should get a shot of you looking at yourself and be like, yeah, this is my best looking project yet. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It should be fun. And I'm starting it. I've started it today. So it should just... It should be done tomorrow and should be a quick, simple project, which I haven't had in a little while. So that's that's going to be a good thing. What, what are you doing with most of your projects, Mike? Are you keeping them or are they, are they for yeah, you? Or So in the past like six months, most everything I built, I'm keeping. Prior to that, a lot of it I was building for other people and or selling and stuff like that. But since I've moved into a new place, I'm kind of just furnishing it with stuff I'm building now. So it's kind of neat that I just get to build you know, whatever I want now instead of commissions. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm kind of getting to the spot where now it's time to start doing something with the stuff that I'm building. Cause at first <laughs> I was keeping most of this stuff, but now it's uh-huh. kind of like, all right, well I don't really need another cabinet. Yep. I'm running out of cabinet space. I know. What do you do, Ben? Cause I mean, I think you're the one that you make more stuff than we do. Yeah. I, I just give it away. <laughs> um, the, there's, there's some things I built for myself, but I, I don't think of myself as as a target audience. Like I, to be honest, like I would be totally happy a lot of the time with just two cinder blocks and like a board across of them, and that's like a piece yeah. of furniture. Also, you know, growing up in a Japanese family, I mean, we we sat on the floor a lot. Uh, I think until I was probably like eleven or twelve, we always ate dinner sitting at like a low table, like right on the floor. Uh, uh-huh. And so we, you know, there, we always had a very sort of minimal home in terms of furniture and things like that. But uh, I also find it's a lot more freeing, and I move a lot faster if I'm not my own client. Uh, then I don't have personal biases <laughs> right. that I have to explain. So if I just want to produce a piece of furniture that a lot, that I think a lot of people will will want uh, and hopefully build, it's the most freeing thing for me creatively to not be tied into my own taste and just I can it lets me be really rational and kind of cold blooded about it because I can just make decisions and be like oh this seems to be for the greater good and the most people probably like this and it's not perfect but okay gonna do it go yeah Whereas I don't have it, to live with it so who right cares? and it's also <laughs> screw them it also becomes when you design it for yourself you're designing it for a specific floor plan or room layout yeah, right. or all these things um, or color combinations so that it matches with the other stuff that you already have uh, which. Again, it's it's complicating a design process that's already going to be inherently complicated. So, uh, when I just sort of say, "What is like, what is like a great idea for this piece of plywood or for this type of material?" and if I don't think about it for myself, I can go much faster. Right, Few, and less compromises, yeah. like you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And if I just put it out on Facebook, hey. Uh, on my own personal Facebook, I'll just start, you know, tease a project sometime if I want to get rid of it. And yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to get rid of furniture. Right. Yeah. <laughs> First person to show up with 10,000 bucks takes it. Yeah. No, normally, like I just say, like the, the rule will be because I hate adding more things to my schedule that I have to be someplace at a specific time. So I'll be like, it's free, but you have to come exactly when you say you're going to come. <laughs> and if you postpone, it goes to somebody else. I was about to say, then it's going on the curb. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Should just do that. Just put it on the curb and say, first person takes it. Yeah, yeah just put a free sign on it, on the <laughs> sidewalk. 
Yeah, so if you live in Boston and are friends with me on Facebook, keep an eye out for free furniture. Nice. So uh, I guess we can jump into kind of an idea I had. I don't know if this will work out or not, but something we kind of... Probably not. My ideas usually don't, so par for the course. It's an idea we've kind of kicked around a little bit here. So I was thinking, you know, we've had the idea of doing kind of like a design challenge where we'd all come up with some guidelines or some rules for a build, all do it and put it out at the same time. Yeah, exactly. So I was thinking maybe a cool way that we could do it is kind of round robin style. So basically, I don't know what it, the parameters would be, but say like person A says, okay, it has to be made out of plywood. And then person B says, you can only use this or you can only spend this much money. So like we each kind of get to come up with a, a rule or a, okay. a limiting like factor. It. So I don't know if then we go How around twice we or once. Around? Yeah, I don't know. We'll go around twice. All right. Well, here, let's just start once and see what happens and then see if we need to go again. Yeah, let's not put too many rules on yeah. our rule making. <laughs> we all just make like a paper clip. Yeah. That's it. That was the rule. All right, Chris, what's your first one? Start okay. us off strong. All right. Let's say... Um, because I've never done it. I, I think you guys have. How about two by fours? Okay. Like it has to incorporate two by fours or it has to be made of two by fours? Let's say two by fours like the main material. Okay. I'll write it all down. Okay. Okay. So we're going to make something out of two by four or two by fours, plural oh, okay. or singular? Well, you, you can add that as another stipulation, I guess. There's a lot of like one <laughs> two by four challenges out there, right? Like I, th- yeah. I, I uh-huh. think that's like a pretty well done thing. Actually, not to brag, but won a competition when I was in college. For, <laughs> uh, actually, I'll, I'll, no big deal. Uh, yeah, no big deal. Uh, I'll post that project actually on the Modern uh, Maker podcast Instagram account, which oh, yeah. all you Plug listeners it. should be following. So we have a new, uh, you know, a lot of podcasts, they always do, oh, you know, go to the show notes. But nobody goes to like URLs and websites anymore. So if you want to see the show notes of things that we talk about and you want a visual reference because, you know, this is audio, can't see anything. Uh, well, we've felt that it'd be probably better if we created a Instagram account just for the show. So it's uh, on Instagram at uh, Modern Maker Podcast. Yep. And that's why we can just post images. I've already posted a couple things of just things I'm sort of working on, uh, the bike rack. It's a way we can sort of tease projects and also just post images or random sort of things that uh, we talk about on the show. So you have your visual reference. Um but uh, yeah, so I, I've actually won a, a two by four challenge before. In college, when I was in architecture school, they actually gave us a challenge to design something with one two by four. You had to use all of it, uh, no fasteners, and uh, it had to be wearable and useful. Uh, and, wow. I'll, and, and I'll post <laughs> uh, what my winning design was. But I would say let's do a two two by four challenge. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, it's getting specific. I say, okay, then two two by four challenge. Okay, and then I was gonna go a price limit, but since we've already got a two two by four limit, then I'm not gonna go with a price limit. So let's say it has to be made with uh, lasers. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm gonna say let's let's go with it's got to be made with hand power tools, like no stationary tools. It's all got to be small hand. No table tools. saw. No band no saw. Table, yeah, no band saw. No table saw. It's got to be all like really, really simple, accessible tools. Like a, is this a miter saw count? Ooh, if it's battery power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you guys have battery power miter saws? How, how do I say that? All battery powered tools. Like it's something yeah, you could do. Yeah, let's go battery powered and or hand tools. Man, I don't think I, so I'm going to be able to use a drill. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a, I'll send you a, you can use a circular saw. I guess they can, they can plug into a wall, but right. like, yeah, either like circular saw, jigsaw, yeah, it's not uh, a, drills and drivers. It's not about the letter of the law. It's about the general intent. So okay. think so, of it more as like a, something you could do. No, no big machinery, basically. Right. right. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. yeah let's, okay. Think of it as like no a, stationary equipment. We should come up. Yeah. I th- think of it as like a tailgating project, right? Yeah. Okay. Like you could bring your whole if you're tailgating, you want to cook something, you could bring everything, but that's kind of like right. cheating. If you can pick it up and carry right. it across the street, you can yeah. use it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have people throwing their backs out trying to get their yeah. table saw out of the shop and back in. So two right. the two two by four challenge. The two two by four challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think, should we put a limit on it in terms of like what we're building. I don't think so. I think it's hard for me to get my head around it. Cause I don't even, I can't even envision how much does a two 
like how big of a thing do you build with two two by fours? I don't even anything. Know. It could be. I mean, heck, you could build it out of one two by four if you wanted. You know. Yeah. I'm no, saying? I'm just trying to say like I don't even. I can't even picture like how much. How big is the end piece? Like I'm picturing right. in my head like. I'm just is gonna, it like a little tiny stool. Or I'm just gonna glue them together and make a four by four. <laughs> then again, you could cut them. Well, I don't know. You don't. You don't have a bandsaw. Yeah. You can't resaw them. Yeah, it's gonna That's be hard where to it rip gets complicated. Them. See, maybe yeah. maybe my idea was a bad one. No, 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 no. Put yourself in a box. I guess I don't know, but then but you kind of take away the option of being able to like you know rip down the two by or resaw the two by fours down into one by fours and cut, turn that into two boards or something like that. The application I think would be perfect for it would be something like a well. It's also because I'm working on a bicycle rack right now. But I think like a bicycle rack is like a great example of what you can do with like two two by fours because you can make something that's strong enough to hold up something with the weight of a bicycle. Uh, even with just like a jigsaw and circular saw, you could make all your, you know, uh, you could cut out any sort of curved pieces that you need for actually to hold a bicycle. Um, the circular saw, you can make accurate enough cuts to to get multiple pieces to line up and fit together. And from there, just fastening with, you know, glue and, and drills and, and sanding down. So what's the time frame on this? Let's say, because I'm sure we all have different projects we need to put out. So yeah. let's just choose like, I don't know, what's, what is it right now? It's a... Late let's March. do this. I kind of got an idea. You ready? Okay. Okay. Lay it the on two us. two by four challenge. Let's let's not start it for two weeks. That gives okay. people plenty of time to throw out ideas for us. Let's throw away the tool requirement. Let's just go. It's, for right now, it's just it has to be two two by fours or less, mm-hmm. and that I guess that's all we got right now. Yeah. That way, people can use whatever tools they have. That way, they don't have to go out and buy a jigsaw so they don't have to use their bandsaw or something like that. Um, and let's leave it open. So if someone wants to shoot us some ideas on ideas for the contest, then that's cool. And it also gives us an opportunity to maybe get, I don't know, maybe a sponsor involved for a winner or something interesting like that. Kind of make it a little bit, you know, give it a little bit of a prize for the winner. Okay. So then let's just say, okay, so right now we're saying we're doing a two, two by four challenge yeah. and we'll wait for, um, we're going to wait response from the audience. And then what, and then how about respond this week? And then next yeah. week we can announce what the rules are. Yes, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah, let's get okay. a little crowdsource, a little user interaction for developing the rules, and then we'll officially launch it exactly. and start the cool. clock next week. So email yeah. us, use our form. You can put it on Hit us uh, up on Instagram, Instagram on the new account. Yep. Any way you can get at us, just let us know, and we'll, we'll, set, we'll solidify it all next week. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Cool. I have no idea what I'm going to build. <laughs> Me neither. Well, no, no, no one does. We don't know the rules yet. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess that's true. As long as it's not one of those giant Jenga sets, which is like the most basic right. played out. It's got to be an original idea. Thing ever. Somewhat original. <laughs> it's got to be the most somewhat original idea. Yeah. yeah. Plausibly original. Yeah. Should we uh, move into the main topic for the show then? Yes. I think so. Yeah. So tonight we're going to be talking about digital fabrication. And I think this is an interesting topic because, well, for one, uh, we're all a little bit on the sort of more modern side. Um, But I always think it's one of the things that is sort of, it's one of the topics where I actually see people getting in, uh, where shop talk uh, can go bad is when people start talking about (laughs) digital fabrication, how that's sort of cheating or that's not authentic or or things like that. So it's something uh, that I think is really interesting because it's, it's undeniable. And I think for what we do, it's very, well, here we are on a completely digital media platform, podcasting. In the radio industry that resisted podcasting, they got, they got passed by. Right. right. And I think it's really important to always be looking at what's next. But I also think it's equally important not to get to overly fall in love and believe all the hype. Because... Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of sort of misinformation and overhyped sort of mashable articles which are totally crap. <laughs> um, so, for example, la- about two weeks ago, I had probably ten people send me messages on uh, Facebook about this article that Mashable published, and it said, "Oh, look at these people! They like three D printed a whole house for ten thousand dollars. This is going to revolutionize housing." It was, <laughs> we can believe this, like, it was total bullshit. Like, the, oh, no. the, they didn't print the windows. It was just they printed the building shell. The building shell is, like, the easiest part of the thing to, to, to build. Yeah. It was basically trying to replace a, 
a giant, massive piece of machinery for really cheap, inexpensive framing labor. Uh, so it's like one of those cases where, even though I'm a big fan of digital fabrication, where sort of some media person that knows nothing about construction and knows nothing about digital fabrication just decided that a revolution was happening because they just learned about it. Uh, right. So with uh, when it comes to sort of what we do, you know, we're, we're sort of, uh, you know, I've done a few projects with 3D printing or CNC's. I'm sure it's something that's on your guys' sort of periphery and probably something that you're you're actively considering. And I think it would be sort of a cool thing to talk about what we think is going on, what we think is where we think the potential is, what we think the drawbacks are, uh, what bothers us about the discourse about it, and uh, what we think is going to be popular and be coming out in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go first, probably because I'm going to have the least, I guess, background knowledge or experience talking about it. So... But no, I think it's a really cool thing, and it's something, like you were saying, it's definitely on my periphery and something that I'm looking at, um, because there's a lot of really cool things, even on the idea of the 3D printed house. Like you were saying, maybe it wasn't as 3D printed as the article might have led you to believe, and maybe it wasn't as, efic- as efficient as it really could be, but it's kind of a neat first step, you know, if you if you look at it that way. If we are in the future going to be building 3D printed houses, someone's going to have to f- make the first one, and it's probably not going to be the best iteration. So, you know, maybe it's not awesome, but maybe it's a first step. And on that note, also, I was actually watching, I don't know how much of this really relates. I guess it does a little bit. I was watching one of the tiny house shows on HGTV or DIY. I don't really remember which one. But instead of 3D printing it, they CNC'd the entire shell and the frame of the house out of plywood and everything just like snapped together almost like a like puzzle bricks and th- their whole intention was to kind of mass produce on a small scale these tiny houses to fit on top of trailers and i thought that was a really cool application where you're using the technology to get the the basis like to get the shell done and then you can go in and do everything else but it's just the simple framing that you're taking out of the equation which i think is a really good use for it right yeah. Well, to kind of go back on my experience with it. So going all the way back to when I first started woodworking and I was in that, um, the night class where I really, you know, got my hands on the first time I remember kind of learning about CNC stuff right around the same time. And I was kind of in love with the idea of it. I remember there was actually a point where I was like, okay, there's a fork in the road here and I can go down the path of getting traditional machinery or maybe I'll just build a big CNC in my garage and I'll just like design all CNC furniture. (laughs) Um, And I think that's because actually at the end of the day, I I really do think of myself more as a designer than a builder. But at the time, first off, the only frame of references, frame of reference that I had for CNC machines was like huge industrial machines that I'd seen in sign shops. And so I didn't even think that it was possible to incorporate a small CNC machine in my shop. So that's what led me down the path of going the traditional route because I was like, well, I don't want to have this huge thing that takes up my whole shop and it's too limiting. But I actually at the time designed a few like flat pack furniture CNC pieces. So I'll put those on our Instagram account because I don't know if you can find them online anymore or not. But if you want, you can try just Googling Four Eyes Welcomo. So it's spelled like welcome, but with... W-E-L-C-M-O-E. And then um, you can also try Stealthy, and that'll kind of show you what they look like. Um, I also did a chair the same way, and that was just kind of to experiment with the idea. I thought maybe there was a business model there. Um, And so actually when I started selling furniture, I was selling a mix of those pieces and the more traditional pieces. And it just wasn't high volume enough for me to continue. Like I was probably selling, you know, 10 of them a year or something like that. So it wasn't it didn't make sense to really keep doing it. And, you know, wasn't the most fun thing to do to run around to sign shops and ship stuff. Um, yeah. so I kind of quit doing that, but it's something that recently I've been really wanting to get back into, um, especially with all the different machinery that's out there now and how easily you actually can incorporate it into a shop. And I think now my frame of reference is so much different for it than it was then where, like I said before, when I first learned about it, I saw that fork in the road and now I kind of view it as just another tool in my arsenal. And so I would definitely like to get into it and start taking advantage of the things that it allows you to do that you either can't do or is really hard to do 
uh, you know, with human hands instead of computer hands. I, I think right. what, what you're saying is exactly right. Is 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 a very effective way to think about it. Don't think of it as this binary thing where you have to choose. Oh, I'm going to be a digital fabrication uh, fabricator versus an analog person. Uh, right. It's really just another set of tools. So I think we would all agree that digital fabrication is only going to become more common and get more advanced, right? For sure. Yeah, oh, definitely. No, no. So it's it's the way of the future. But I kind of think of it as like uh, self-driving cars. <laughs> Just because like they're very likely coming, the timeline may be not so clear exactly when they're going to be prevalent. Right, but yeah. It's still going to be a good idea to know how to drive. <laughs> right? and, well, and yeah. also to your point, Ben, I think that even though it's undeniable at this point, the more we get used to it as a normal tool, the more people switch from that binary thinking to just considering it another tool. So it doesn't replace it does. I mean, it definitely shakes the industry and changes everything. It's a game changer, but it doesn't just replace everything because over time, people's ideas about them change. Right. right. We might just think of it as like the microwave for the shop, right? Like a microwave <laughs> is like a different technology than like a gas stove. But now we just all think of them as a, an array of kitchen appliances that we use for sort of cooking or reheating food. And I think CNCs and things like that will, in, in the sort of shops of the future, will just kind of be like that thing. They're kind of like the more hybrid thing that does a lot of versatile things, a little bit easier to use. Yeah. And it'll just be the microwave of uh, of our of our future wood shops. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a pretty good analogy. Yeah, so we're talking a lot about like the upside of digital fabrication and using like CNC and lasers and stuff. But like, what's the downside? I don't have really experience with them, so I guess that's something I can't really talk to so much. But I guess in your guys' experience, what has been something that maybe you weren't expecting to be less awesome as? You they, know what I mean? <laughs> they take a lot more time than it seems. Yeah. Right. So because you see them sped up on video. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. The way I would think, think about sort of digital fabrication is the same way I would think about digital media. The way we've seen websites and e-commerce go is like the whole point of e-commerce now is to try to shorten the amount of clicks that you have to make the, the purchase. Right. Right. So we know that people have short attention spans and they want to uh, have fewer clicks and navigational moves in between them. And either the show they want to watch on Netflix or the thing they want to buy on Amazon. So I kind of think about making a similar, right? The tools that are really going to stick around are the one that shortened amount of steps. Yeah. And that's why, for example, I think like, have you seen that shaper tool that yeah. Yeah. everyone in the maker community, I think that thing is kind of stupid. And I don't think it has like an unpopular opinion alert, but like, <laughs> like I think it's a brilliant piece of technology. I don't think I think it's a tweener. I don't think, I think it it's has... really. Yeah, I think it's really limited in what it can do. No, when I first saw it, I was in the camp that was in love with it. I was just like, oh my god, this thing's so insanely awesome. Yeah. And I think I viewed it from kind of that in betweener stance that you're talking about. The person that it is really good for that's maybe in a really small shop, and there's like a very limited or it's really good i guess for like one-off big things that there's no other way to produce i think that's where its real strength is yeah whereas when i first saw it i thought of it as oh this is just like the end-all tool to have why would anybody have a cnc machine at this point right right and, and here's why <laughs> so the shaper tool is this really cool handheld tool that has like a onboard screen that helps you navigate for those who haven't seen it but just google shaper cnc tool thing. yeah i think shaper origin i think yeah shaper origin yeah. It's an amazing piece of technology. And when you see the demo, you'll be like blown away that, wow, we can make really cool tools now. Yeah. yeah now, exactly. that, now that being said, in order to cut anything out, you're going to have to be standing manually over a giant piece of plywood that you already spent right. a bunch of time on putting down this stupid domino tape on. <laughs> That's and, what I was and, thinking. And, exactly. and knowing me, I'd probably get like a wrinkle in it and be like, not straight or uh, yeah. have like a bubble in it or something like that. <laughs> and then you got to hand hold this thing to navigate. And that's the part where I think you're really going to lose people uh, is the amount of time that you spend doing that. Can you like running the table saw straight for an hour is a lot, it's a lot of time. Oh, yeah. So yeah. if you're going to hold you something for right, like 15 minutes and just like slowly navigate it around following the lines, that's incredibly tedious work. And so I think right. people will do like initial applications with it and then don't. The way I would think of it is 
we, we probably all have inkjet printers in our home, which means that we could download a PDF and print a book and then bind it and then have our own books. But we don't do that. We buy them on Amazon instead if we want that book because yeah. it's still way more efficient, even though the tool has the capability to do it. Right. You know, this, oh, sorry, this could be a little bit off topic, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, um, simplicity will trump, for lack of a better word, uh, price. Because yeah. I think about, think about digital music. So when it first, you know, when Mike, you'll be too young for this, but when Napster <laughs> first came out and it was just like, oh my God, I can get any album I want for free. And, you know, people my age were going nuts with it, just downloading everything and anything they could think of. And I downloaded your, you know, illegally downloaded music for a long time. Um, and then Spotify for me, or, you know, those types of streaming services were total game changers where it's like, it's so much easier because you can just get it at one click. You don't have to download it and transfer it to something. And it, it just takes out the steps and people are happy to pay that price for that simplicity. And yeah. so if you look at something, like I was saying about the Shaper Origin, it's a really awesome tool for specific situations. Right. But for all of those, for, for 99% of situations, a traditional CNC is a much better solution probably. Yeah. That being said, though, uh, what the part that makes me most interested in all these tools is the ability to share parts of the design process, right? So we could open up a file in Autodesk Fusion, and we could literally all access the same file and work on it and add pieces. So let's say, and maybe this will be like a future sort of collaboration that we do, is we could have one project file, and all of us could be designing different parts that all fit together. And we wouldn't even have to talk to each other, which would be awesome because we get enough of that. No, no. Cause like, because we'd have we'd see all the model pieces, uh, the, right. the 3D model pieces in sort of fusion. Uh, mm -hmm. We would know that everything's fitting together. And then whichever one of us has a CNC, uh, I'll raise my hand. Um, we could just cut all the pieces there, right? So I think that's, for me, just like the Internet, it, it wasn't that uh, it, it was the ability to connect I think is where the innovation came, not so much from the specific technology itself. It's not like the internet made videos better. It just allowed us to see more of them, which encouraged us to make more. Um, right. But it didn't improve the cameras. It didn't improve the image quality. If anything, it downgraded versus what we were able to do before because of the limits of bandwidth. But just that connectivity created more opportunities for collaboration, feedback, uh, and evolution from that. Yeah. Here's kind of a an or a tangential question to the topic. So, as video creators, does that kind of change your frame of reference? Do you think towards CNC and automated machinery? Because on one hand, you can look at it as well, it takes a lot of the human part out of it. So, like, what am I even yeah. doing on camera at this point? Well, that's I think the, that's the main reason I probably don't have one, or like one of the main reasons I've can like held off on the idea of getting one is. I don't, I don't want to not alienate 90% of my audience, but I know most of the, most of my audience either aren't necessarily interested in it or won't have access to a CNC or a laser or something like that. So right, right. I, it's kind of w with making videos, there's that consideration that I don't want to just leave these people out. Yeah. So I wonder then where do you think the CNC is like price wise right now? Like are, ha, are we to the point where it's come down to where it's naturally supposed to be, or is it what, in what an they, early adopter stage? Like, what's a desktop CNC cost? So the like about the about a thousand bucks. The, the X Carve, which is the one I have uh, by mm -hmm. Inventables, is about fifteen hundred dollars for the one that I use to make my staircase. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a really interesting thing, right? I think if it is like, if, if you were to spend fifteen hundred dollars on a single tool you better get some return on investment, some ROI on that purchase. Exactly, because so, that's what I've got in every other tool in my workshop right. just about. So what I think is interesting about a CNC is that it lets, especially, I thought it was really interesting, Chris, that you said earlier that as a design, with someone with a design background, that was one of the things that, let, that gave you or made you more interested in digital fabrication. Right. And, and I totally agree. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think the CNC is great for someone that's a graphic designer, for example. Yeah. So if yeah. you're a graphic designer and you work with Adobe Illustrator all day long, you're really good with all the Adobe software, so you can make anything in 2Ds. 
Well, a mm-hmm. C, and, but you have like no woodworking experience. Well, you getting a CNC puts you way ahead of the curve of somebody with like a thousand hours of shop experience in a specific type of making because yeah. the Xcarve can use Adobe Illustrator files. You can just upload those and you can make really precise things and start cutting and putting things together. And the next thing you know, you have this whole empire of like plywood furniture and cool stuff. <laughs> On the other hand, you may be like a, uh, like my, uh, Phil Pinsky from, uh, uh reclaimed audio. Mm-hmm. I was talking to him about CNCs and he makes whiskey boxes and he does really well on Etsy. So he's doing well enough on Etsy where a CNC might be in his near future because it automates a level of production without him having to hire a person. And it's a very predictable thing. So if it helps him make, you know, whiskey boxes, you know, 30% faster, just 30% faster, that that could pay for itself over over the course of the year. So I think, one, they're a really interesting thing for somebody that has a lot of digital knowledge and software and is new to mm-hmm. making, or it's good for somebody that has sort of a, a certain business involved with making and selling things, and it lets them speed up one part of that process. Yeah. How do you look at it? Who? You. Me? Yeah. No. From like a production standpoint? or Yeah, or like the idea of, um, the, yeah, the like accessibility idea and the... Yeah, I mean, the, I, think that's, yeah. I think that's what I was in love with early on with it was like, Oh, I don't have to learn all these like muscle memory skills and I can yeah. still make really cool stuff. And I don't have so, to worry about cutting my finger off on a table right, saw. I, can, I could be like behind <laughs> be a drunk, bulletproof like. shield just pushing <laughs> buttons and yeah. letting it go. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that just like really appealed to me in the beginning. But then like Ben was saying, yeah. having that change of heart from binary thinking to looking at it more as just a tool. Yeah. It's funny. I meet so many architecture students that are really good at 3D modeling and they can make this awesome CNC plywood uh-huh. furniture that all fits together, but they've never used a table saw or yeah, a drill that was my or dream. a circular saw. It's a saw. weird dynamic. So it's like, it's backwards. Like the, it's completely yeah. backward from the way that like someone that is more of a traditional like woodworker looks at it. Right. right. It's like someone that's like grown up on Snapchat and texting, but has <laughs> never written a piece of snail mail, right. <laughs> snail mail letter in their, in their life. I think the, the point you brought up, Mike is a really good one though. It's about the sort of accessibility, and especially for us as people that you know do a lot of stuff on YouTube, that does become an issue. Is that I think uh, CNC machines will become more available to more people, yep. but right yeah. now the majority of people that build stuff don't have access to one. Right. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's never bothered me in terms of the video part of actually the storytelling of the project because I've never seen a project where oh. You hit the button on the CNC and then the project's done. There's always right. some right. assembly required or, <laughs> or you just go more into steps. the design aspects of it. And then just right. kind of yeah. the focus of the video shifts a preparing little bit. the 3d model. So right. it never bothered me from this sort of video storytelling part, but I totally agree with you is that my concern is you don't want to alienate audience by sort of doing things that are so far out in the future that they can't actually participate in that kind of design and making. Yeah. Right. So like from a video perspective, I think it would be a cool, way of figuring out how to incorporate a CNC into a project where it doesn't have to be like that step doesn't have to be done with a CNC if possible. Uh, yeah. Know? That's a good point. Yeah. Just like giving, this is the easy way to do it, but yeah. you could like still you do it could this way. Cut this out with a jigsaw on the table saw, but it probably won't be perfectly symmetrical and won't fit absolutely perfect, but it could still work. But here's a more efficient way. And here's a way to make things, you know, absolutely accurate. I think right. that's the yeah. way you could look at it. Or the way yeah, that I would I mean, try. That's how I would try and incorporate it if I got one. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking the the things that I think about right now with it is like templates for chairs and yeah. that kind of stuff that just makes those processes easier. But even then, I mean, you could just, I mean, from a video point of view, I might be better off without a CNC machine from that because really where templates come in really handy is when you're batching things out, you know, when yeah. you want to make eight of that chair or whatever. So if you're just making one, you could just do it the traditional way. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, real quick. I mean, I think a good, it's not exactly what you're talking about, but a good uh, example of somebody who has awesome stories in the community and uses CNCs a lot is Frank Howarth. Oh yeah. Yep. Well, everything he does is 
pretty awesome. That's true. Yeah. You could probably just give him like toothpicks <laughs> and he'd make a nice story. Yeah, yeah. His, his stop motion animations are awesome. His woodworking is awesome. His shop is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Frank rules. Yeah. He's a good guy. Well, actually, that, unless anybody has any more thoughts on this. Does it lead into your hypothetical? Dun, it dun. does. What Ben said just lead, it leads right into, not even my hypothetical, the actual first user submitted oh, yeah. hypothetical. Who's it from? Yeah. Uh. So here, let me, uh, let me open up my Twitter real quick. Oh, they hit you up okay. individually. They knew you're the guy. Uh, they tagged Ben. They, they, tagged slid, ben. they slid into your DMs. <laughs> They actually, they tagged Ben and they said, and Mike, but it's just, <laughs> oh, I'm not and on it could Twitter, be that's Mike. why. Are you really not? No, I don't like it. I just don't like, I just don't like it. You know what? I actually do. I, I, I probably, that's the one that I check the least all the yeah. way to it. So guys don't message me on Twitter. <laughs> just joking. Go ahead. I, I make sure I check it. Like every Mike's all about that Snapchat life. You know, I was <laughs> until Instagram stories came out. Yeah, yeah. Then it's just like, if I can just ruin it's, them. it's just the idea that if I can keep it all under one roof and not have to be in more than one app, then Right. I'm fine with it. More power to you. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just enabling Facebook to take, take over the world, but who cares? Just rolling over and taking it. Yep. <laughs> so uh, this one comes from Blake Parker at BP Woodworking. Okay. And he says, Four Eyes, Benueta, and Mike, hypothetical, <laughs> you are forced to swap shops with another YouTuber. Who is it Ooh. and why? And then he also Man. says, mutual benefit or selfish? So basically, you know, oh, are you just got to come to my shop. Exactly. You're switching. Oh, so you're not just I'm using somebody else's shop. Somebody then. <laughs> right. So do you take the, you be the nice guy and go with somebody else that maybe doesn't have as awesome of a shop or what yeah. do you do? Man. I haven't thought about this one yet. So anybody, okay. anybody got, got any got ideas? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. So, uh, I, I have sort of three shops right now. So, uh, the first is my floor, which is actually my favorite one. <laughs> And I think, again, it's the, it's the sort of Japanese side is that uh, it, it, it's probably like my number one comment. It's like, why are you always working on the floor? Your knees must be killing you. All it's this like stuff. the biggest assembly um, table in the world. You got the a giant <laughs> flat surface. <laughs> right. And whenever I have a table, I always just climb on it and use my feet to hold down a piece of wood while I cut it anyway. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't uh, most often I don't use a shop. Now, I have the Autodesk uh, build space, which is like the world's greatest robotics lab and wood shop, no uh, but I hardly ever use it. It's just uh, one is like the hours that they're open uh, uh, isn't always conducive to when I'm feeling the most creative. And uh, also it's just, it's so professional. It's like, if I shoot video there, it's not relatable. Like if I was just building something for myself, I, I, uh, I would use it, but it's definitely for videos. It's just so filled with expensive, ridiculous equipment yep. that it's not relatable to anyone. Um, so I've never really had much shop envy. Like, uh, I definitely have design envy, uh, <laughs> uh, where there's people I see like, uh, Oh, I know who it is. Uh, let me, uh, his name's Sebastian. And oh, I know exactly name, who you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, he he's is, got that, the one thing that I think is so cool is that sliding table saw thing he's got. Is that the guy? Uh, oh, no, it's, it's not on Instagram. <laughs> On Instagram, his last name's the like, same guy. Well, I'm sure you've seen this guy's okay. stuff. His name's Sebastian Erasuries, I think. Uh, but check out Sebastian Studio on Instagram. Okay. Uh, in particular, he's done this media cabinet that it just like ripples. It's like a wave when you open it. Um, and I've never really seen too much of his shop, but I definitely have. Oh, yeah, I've seen those uh, things. Creative creative envy uh to what he is but his shop does look pretty amazing it looks like a it looks like he's working in a gallery so swap wow. brains um, with him man keep right. the shop take the brain so well you, yeah that, he, it's even, great even, for videos man it looks beautiful even with the shop i think that's my ideal sort of shop is i don't want a million tools i want a lot of space and a space that's uh indicative of <laughs> I think my ideal shop would be more like a yoga studio than it would be like a basement full of tools. Yeah. Um, is that I'd want something with lots of light, with lots of open, with just a few tools and just tons of space and like comfortable and convenient. I I don't want access to every single size drill bit and all those things. I just want room. I want magnificent sort of dust removal and great light, so I can sketch something out. 
put blue tape on the, the floor to really see how big it's going to be. And, uh, yeah, basically an airplane hanger with great white. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. I got mine. Okay. Let's hear it. All right. It's you, Chris. Oh, yeah. And I think it works out really well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to Oklahoma. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to like it. Maybe. I don't know. But in my, in, in, from my point of view, you've got like a good clean shop, but it's not overkill. Right. It's Thank got, you. Like, I've wanted to work in a space occasionally where it's like, oh, okay, I got a nice joiner. I've got a good, like, a good Mm -hmm. cabinet saw. But I think it would be kind of interesting for you because you've talked about maybe starting kind of like a, like a backyard builder series where it's a little bit more, yeah, a little more on the DIY side almost. Right. Yeah. So I think it could kind of just like launch you into like forcing you to do it. There you go. You're doing me a solid. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really doing you a favor and (laughs) taking all your tools. No. (laughs) Um, I would say actually kind of in the same, in the same, uh, the same frame of mind, I was thinking about swapping with Ben because first off I could get a couple pull-ups in, maybe do a couple bench <laughs> yep. presses, get, you know, nice yep. and ripped. And we have a whole, we have a whole gym in the box. I know, yeah. man, that too. thing is cool. I was going to talk to you about it last week, but you weren't here. That thing was really cool. The, the DIY fitness stuff is, does so oh, well. I, Cause I, I saw it. Yeah. That video is doing really, really well. Because there's a, there's a lot of meatheads, <laughs> and some of them and some of them have power yep. tools. <laughs> Do you have more uh, fitness stuff down the line? Uh, yeah, I'm working on a CrossFit gym that folds out of a wall. Whoa. Yeah, it'll be it, it's sort of like the it's sort of the culmination of this sort of you know four part video series. Yeah, right on. So anyway. To go back to it. So I'm going to Boston, oh, working yeah, out, <laughs> eating some cream pies. But no, actually, the point was kind of to the point that you already made, Mike, where it, I think it would be cool to be in a shop that was significantly different just to force myself to think differently. Yeah. Well, I think that if, if you were to swap with my shop, right, like it's it's a if, if it's sort of a package deal, right? <laughs> oh. like, like I wake up and the tools are like not far away. The first thing you see when you walk into my loft is the mud room is like a whole wall full of Legos and power tools. Um, and I think that's one of the things that is underrated about shops or these things. It's, it's not so much, look, there's a million ways to sort of take a space and put a bunch of tools in it. But what's really going to make a big difference is how you incorporate uh, creative expression or making things into your day-to-day life. So if your shop, if you have to walk a mile to your shop versus walk uh, ten feet <laughs> to the next room, yeah. it's going to change what you make. It's going to change what you design. Right. The minute you have a design idea and you can't sleep at night, you're going to walk right in there and then do it. Yeah, it's kind of like if your shop. It's kind of like your gym at home. I mean, how much easier right. is it to have a gym right there than oh, I got to get in the car, I got to drive down. Like that's a, a a lot of people don't do it just because of those five minutes of getting there. Right. If you can operate your shop at midnight without waking up the neighbors, that's a huge difference. That's going to change the way you sort of think about it and sort of incorporate making into your life. So I think far too often people get so excited about the tool porn. They're just like, oh, this saw, I wish I had this brand or this this one. If I had this, I could do this. But really the things that we can all adjust is (laughs) bring all the power tools into your bedroom. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Just live Uh, with your power tools. But... Right. You can, if, if, if it's if it's about sort of finding a way to incorporate these things or make them a bigger part of your life or uh, or, or, or take the next step creatively, uh, readjusting how they sort of fit into your life so that you engage with them more or making more things or just in general position yourself to be more prolific is probably going to have a bigger change than on just having more tools. Yeah. I think uh, the irony would be if I were to take Ben's advice and bring all my power tools into the bedroom, then my wife would probably make me move into the garage. <laughs> and, then you, and then you'd be more productive. Yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't have anything out there, just chilling yeah. on the floor. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess what that wraps that up. Yeah, as I said, yeah. we're, we're going long today, but... this I know. I just looked at the time. We're almost at an hour already. Holy cow. We just can't shut up. <laughs> um. I don't know, what do, you, do you got anything, Mike? What are you obsessed with? Uh, kind of weird, but I started following someone on Instagram. It's I think it's Key West Pottery. Mm-hmm. I just saw him on the Discover, Discover tab one day or the Explore tab. I don't know what it's actually called. And I've kind of been hooked on pottery. I, I've been 
sketching out a design to make like a really simple pot, like a potter's wheel. I want I want, I did a little bit of it in high school in a couple of art classes. And I remember mm-hmm. it being a lot of fun. I remember being really bad at it and nothing being incredibly symmetrical, but, uh, I've got like this shop I'm moving into. It's got a lot more space than what I've got. And I'm really only going to be using about half of it to fill up, you know, to fill in all my woodworking equipment. So I'm kind of thinking of interesting like things I could do to fill out the rest of the space. And if I could have like a little pottery corner, that could be really cool if I get good at it. And, you know, then again, I might just be terrible at it and quit. I wouldn't be (laughs) incredibly surprised if that happened either. But anyways, I've been thinking about building like a really simple DIY, like potter's wheel and maybe... uh, Yeah, you use bicycle wheels to do that. Really? Yep. Huh. And uh, I I was actually throwing around an idea of... Because, uh, you know, QuickCrete's a sponsor. Shout out to QuickCrete. Yeah. Um, Shout out. <laughs> is taking a bicycle wheel and filling it full of concrete, like within okay. within the spokes, because that way you have mm-hmm. the mass because you want to keep doing it. And then just like a few tack welds to make it spin around, to make it spin basically a plate. But basically you just want a wheel that you, has a lot of momentum that will yep. keep spinning the, the little platter. Uh, you can also maybe, <laughs> maybe you can just take a one of, Chris's uh, turntables uh, for his record yeah. player things <laughs> and, just, and just use that. No. Those are going to be some Don't expensive potting wheels, I know. <laughs> no, but, but, but they po- keep breaking. Pottery, I think, is really interesting. And it's one of those things yeah. where you, there's no reason why you sh- shouldn't design tiles to make a dining room table that has a ceramic top, right? I mean, yeah, there, in theory. Like, we combine metal with wood. Why not do a wood base with like a ceramic top? Like, that would, that would be amazing and something that's totally rare. And there's so yeah. many things that are completely common that I think combining knitting with woodworking is amazing. You know, so I think the, the real innovation is often sort of mixing something like pottery with woodworking, with metalworking, so that you're not just doing the same genres of stuff that everybody else is. Uh, right. You're actually cross-fertilizing and, and, and making big leaps forward. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Just don't do Legos. No that Legos. It's been done. <laughs> Play it out. Doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me this week, so this has actually been a couple weeks because I wanted to give it time. I don't like to. It, it's a music one. So one of my favorite bands going back, I guess I don't know, probably like almost fifteen years now, is The Shins. I don't know if you guys yeah. have ever listened to them. So that's from yeah. uh, Garden State, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> that's where they get a lot of notoriety from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've loved them pretty much since their second album came out. Um, that's when I discovered them. And they are not very prolific. So they basically come out with an album like every five years. So this is their, what, fourth album, I think? Yeah, fourth album. Um, so they just had it come out probably three weeks ago now. And when I first heard it, so it's called, uh, hang on, let me take some time. You can edit this out. <laughs> Heartworms. No, we're going to keep it in. It's called Heartworms, people. All right. Heartworms by the Shins. That's the name of the album. So when it first came out, like I really wasn't feeling it that much. And so my kind of review right off the bat was it's as bad as a Shins album can be, which is still good because that's the thing is they're very poppy and the guy just has like, you know, very good uh, pop sensibilities. So they're always going to be kind of catchy songs with hooks and everything. But I didn't really like the arrangement. I felt it was too kind of I don't know, synthesizer and 80s inspired. And I wanted it to be more just like rock driven, like some of their and rock and folk, which is like what their older stuff is like. But as I've lived with it, like I said, I like to not pass judgment on an album um, for, you know, a few weeks. I, I just kept listening to it. And now it's actually really grown on me where yeah. it's really strong and people should check it out. That happens, man. Yep. A lot of times, if it's a band that you're really into and you don't love the album at first, give yeah, it I a think couple of weeks. Because you usually, it's weird, because on one hand, like, you want the band to kind of do they, what they've done the before, yeah. yeah. but you're like, well, no, they should continue to change and grow, and so... Exactly. In, in the end, that's what's better, and I think that's what they've kind of done, is evolved with each yeah. album, and it's it's good. Cool, cool. So, for me, I am currently obsessed with sketchbooks. Uh, so, I just made, when I was in New York... Uh, I stopped by the Muji store, which is where I get a lot of my sketchbooks from. They just have very simple, plain sketchbooks. Because I like mm-hmm. a sketchbook that's not too fancy, because if it's too fancy and expensive, then I feel like 
Well, on one hand, I really like it as like an item to carry with me, but on the other hand, I feel like right. I'm always too hesitant to draw on it because I don't want right. to ruin it. So I only put like refined ideas in it. Yeah. So I like a sketchbook that's like cool enough that I want to pick it up and like draw on it, but not so precious that uh, yeah, not too fancy. Right, right. Yeah. So that I actually want to use it. Right. It's like having like a really expensive slab of hardwood in your shop. Like right. they often stay off to the side for a really long time because you. You, you're so afraid to waste any or mess it up. Yeah. Whereas you just have like crappy old plywood or, or a two by 12. You're like, Oh, we can hack into this and experiment yeah. as we go. You want right. to use it to get rid of it. <laughs> so I bought probably when I was in New York, I probably bought about 20 new sketchbooks. I got some, Holy oh, wow. I bought some public, bought some Muji ones, bought some public supply ones. I bought some little off brand ones, but for all the listeners, uh, go ahead and send us on Instagram or tag us in posts and stuff like that. What's your favorite brand of sketchbooks? I don't care if it's those really hideous black and white uh, oh, composition, me- yeah, composition yeah. books or <laughs> yellow legal pads. But, you know, what works for you? What What's your sort of sketchbook of choice would be my post-its. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Post-its are good. <laughs> I always yeah. end up drawing on post-its. I bought a, I bought just a really simple moleskin a couple of weeks ago with the idea of like really getting in and doing a lot of sketches. And every night now I've tried to set aside, I try and set a 30 minute timer every night. Like after I get done, like maybe editing or if I get done doing something and just taking 30 minutes to just try and brainstorm ideas and try and just come up with things and sketch them. And it's worked out really cool. I've been in terms of like ideas, I've been pretty prolific lately. And I mean, I guess it's kind of a good thing because one of the things that came out of me sketchbooking was the mirror that I'm working on. Mm. And I needed a quick project that I could do in a day or two while I wait on these legs to come in. So, yeah, sketchbooks are dope. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. No, it's again, it's like I think uh, both you want to both incorporate really good design in your life with things like Pinterest or design blogs or following people that curate really great stuff on, on Instagram. But then you also want to, uh, uh, work on sort of developing your own, which is where sketching comes in. And I think both of those practices really, really help uh, improve one's productivity. No doubt. Yep. For sure. (laughs) All right. Let's take it home. Okay. Land it. The outro. Here we go. Why don't y'all do it this time? Oh, I don't even yeah. know what to say, but I can try. Okay, I'll I'll fill in if I need to. All right, just start me off. Give me a start off so that I can go right into it. <laughs> All right. All right, awesome. So I think that's probably pretty close to wrapping it up. Chris, send us away. All right, well, I guess we can start off by doing what we always do, saying where people can find you. So, Mike, where can people find you? On Instagram, at Modern Builds. And ben? then just oh. search me on Google or YouTube. Uh, Instagram, I'm, I found an old hard drive from college, so I've been <laughs> reposting all of my of life. Throwbacks. Yeah, a lot of throwbacks. So, uh, Instagram <laughs> at Benjamin Ueda. Uh, if you just put in Benjamin and then the letter U, I think I, I pop up. So find me there. You know, and I'm going to tell people to go find me on Instagram this week too, because wow, I think that's, that's original. one I've been slacking on. <laughs> hey, you guys always do it. And I, you know, I've been just saying Google four eyes, but yeah, go find me on Instagram at four eyes furniture. Uh, I'm going to try to start posting there more too. Um, and that's yeah. always the best place to kind of see what I'm working on before it makes its way to YouTube. So plus it's check just it, check really it out. easy for people to contact you on Instagram. Yep. Cause I check, I, at least me personally, I checked my, I check my, uh, DMS like a couple times a day usually. So yeah, you if do. you want to, if you want to ask me a quick question, that's a lot easier than emailing me. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to usually answer it relatively quick. Oh, right, m- just keep them short though. So that you can yeah. save our thumbs. Yeah. Mike, right. uh, <laughs> post, post some stuff from your sketchbook. I'd love to oh, see it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, whenever I get the, uh, mirror done, I'll post the sketches that I did for that. You just do it on your stories too. I think like, uh, yeah, that's a good idea. And it's always funny to me if like I post like a sketch in my Instagram stories is to see whether or not people have any idea what my chicken scratch is. <laughs> right. <laughs> Plus if you post it on your story, you're not like obligated to yeah, build it. Yeah, exactly. That's the rule. <laughs> yeah. So in addition to following each of us on our Instagram accounts, make sure you follow the Modern Maker podcast Definitely. on Instagram, at Modern Maker Podcast. We're going to try to post different things that we're working on, sketches, some of the old stuff that we talked about during the show. So and make sure you follow it. And just stuff we reference, it. yeah. 
yeah, anything we reference. That's our show notes is Instagram. We're, we're changing the way people think. We're changing uh, the podcasting game right yep. here, right now. Visionaries. This, whatever today is, that's when the shift was. Yep. yep. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and uh, tell your friends about the podcast. If you're enjoying it, you know, there's nothing wrong with good old word of mouth spread. I think go. that maybe that's the one that works the best. So, you know, if you're enjoying it, Try to tell at least two people this week that you think might like it and get them on board too. I like it. Um, also, other than that, don't I, forget the two by four challenge. Oh yeah. The two, two by four challenge. The two, yes. two by four. Yes. Are yeah. those eight feet long? Uh, we'll, we'll get to it next week. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> um, anyway. So yeah, do that. Yeah, if you got Hit any ideas up. for the challenge, sorry, I'm interrupting, but yeah, if you got any Please. ideas for the challenge, let us know. If you got any cool like regulations you think might make it interesting, let us know. Yep. Other than that, I, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up, right? I think so. I think you got it. All right. Well, I'll see you guys next week then. Bye. Bye, guys. Later. Cool. All right. That I'm was gonna... a long one. That was long, yeah.